Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift and a gift from God. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we did the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does the making and God does the saving. For we are God's masterpiece. Could you tell the person next to you, you're a masterpiece? You're a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works, the good things he planned. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he planned for us to do long ago. I want to talk to you on the subject Masterpiece Theater, part two. We said last week that the word masterpiece comes from two Latin words, well, actually one Latin word is magnum and um, opus, which means greatest work, and the word theater is a Greek word, means a place to view. So masterpiece theater for us is, I am a place where you can view God's greatest work. I am a place. If you look at me, I am a place where you can view God's greatest work. And I want to encourage you to stop the drama and start the theater. Amen. 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 Turn to somebody and say, stop the drama and start the theater. I am a place where you can view God's greatest work because each of one of you, as I look at you and I know a little bit about your lives, you are a story of grace. You are a story of grace. You are a story of grace. When you hear that song, this is my story, this is my song, pray, that's, that's a song of grace. So no one gets to brag. And the less bragging you do, the more grace will be poured out. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10, all the other apostles are greater than I am. This is because I persecuted the church of God, and this is why I am not even good enough to be called an apostle. So in the natural, I'm not good enough to be called an apostle. But, but, contrary to just what I, to all I just said, God's grace has made me what I am. And his grace to me 
was not wasted. His grace to me was not wasted. Or as Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, I believe, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I worked harder than all the other apostles, but I was not really the one working. It was God's grace that was with me. I want to talk to you about three things, and then um, there is a word from the Lord that I want you to hear. Um, so prepare your hearts for that. I want to talk to you. Uh, if you don't remember anything else, I want to leave three words with you. Grace. Grace. The, the second word I want to leave with you is is sovereign. And the third word I want to leave with you is, is decree. Grace, sovereign, and decree. Because we, we, we have been learning regarding the doctrine of God, that God exists, God has attributes, and we talked about one of the attributes of God is that he doesn't change. We talked about the fact that uh, God uh, uh, is a trinity, and we're talking about the final thing is that God is sovereign. And we talked about that last week. And we, we talked about the fact that um, with God's grace, and this is where we're going, when it comes to the sovereignty of God, God allows a thing to happen. And we learned about that with Job, that there's things that God will allow to happen in your life. And then he'll give you sustaining grace. Are you following me? He'll give you sustaining grace to get through that thing so that his perfect will can be accomplished. So when you go through hard times, it is the sustaining grace of God that's kept you. Second mm -hmm. Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. So you can't brag about how you, how you went through because God gave you the faith to go through. I want to give you a, uh, three definitions of the word grace. Uh, one is the secular. The other one is more spiritual. And the final one is mine, which is a simple, compact definition of grace. First of all, in secular Greek, so this word grace is, charis, is not some new word that Paul made up. It, it, is, it is a word that has been in the Greek vocabulary for millenniums. And this word grace in secular Greece, Greek means the power. Let me see my, I need my little proppies here so that you can follow me. Ah. Yes. So grace is the power which comes from the world above appears in the divine man and expresses itself in magic. Oh my, I love that. The power which comes from the world above appears in the divine man and expresses itself in magic. A more spiritual definition is the power which comes from our father, in heaven above. That's why when we pray, we pray what? Our Father. We're, we're, we're letting ourselves know that our power, our ability comes from our Father in heaven. 
So the power which comes from the world above, the, our Father, appears in the godly man and expresses itself in magic or in the supernatural. Are you with me so far? In other words, when grace does, when grace is evident, something supernatural takes place. Say this with me. I am not walking in the supernatural enough. Every day, God is trying to invite us to, to walk in the supernatural. And all I have to do is look at your faces and I can tell who's walking in the supernatural and who's not. Who's trying to sustain themselves on their own grace and who's walking by the grace of God. There is a grace to get through what you're going through and there's a grace to access what you cannot access. Oh my. I call, uh, I call, my definition of grace is this. Divine influence or God's influence on the heart and his reflection in the life. God's influence in the heart and his reflection in the life. Kennedy, could you come up here for a moment? So I want to... So this is... So I'm going to ask you a question. What do you see in the mirror? Huh? You see your shirt? What do you see now? Your face. And what do you see now? The ceiling. And what do you see now? Okay. Can you see the chandelier? Now you can? Now you can. Okay, so notice what happened. This is my heart, and I had to keep adjusting until he could see the, James chapter 1, verse 17, the light, okay? And so what happens is that when grace is doing its work, he sees the work of God in my heart. He doesn't see himself. He doesn't see problems. He sees God. But I had to adjust myself so that grace can be reflected. And, and this is what, thank you, sir. And this is, and this is, and this is what grace looks like. When grace is at work, People look at our hearts and they see what comes out and they say, that's God. What are you doing that the world can say that has to be God? The reason why we're not operating in grace and the divine influence so that it expresses itself in every aspect of our lives is because we really don't spend enough time at the throne of grace. It's really that simple. We don't spend enough time 
at the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. We don't spend, in, did I say we? Yes. I said we, not you, we. We don't spend, in, if we spend, that's, that's what made Jesus' life so powerful. He spent all night in prayer. The Bible says that he would get up hours before sunrise to spend time in the throne of grace so that divine influence could be reflected in his life. That's the way he was able to do all that he did. As a matter of fact, if you remember when he, when he had the five loaves, I said this last Tuesday, when he had the five loaves and two fish, remember? He took it, and what did he do? He, he looked up to heaven. And one, after he looked up to heaven, then he blessed it. Because he knew that once, once, once the divine inflow was in his heart, he was able to speak words of faith. See, when, when the influence of God hits your heart, you're not making up stuff. You are saying what the Spirit of God put in you. So Paul says, and so what is Paul talking about? Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus, Damascus named Ananias. Can you say Ananias? The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Verse 12, and reading from the New Living Translation. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in heaven. Sorry, in not heaven, in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. Lord, I heard about the terrible things this guy has done. Verse 17, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. So Ananias went and found Saul. What Paul is saying here is that the reason why I am who I am, it is because of the sovereign plan of God. And this is going to really bless you because you need to start getting over yourself so that God can do what he wants to do. Too many of you are using your past, that your, your past is holding you hostage from what, where God wants to take you. This word sovereign, as I said, it is the word uh, super regno. Super means from above. And reign means to rule. Reign means to control. Reign means to hold sway. Reign means direction. Reign means to keep on a proper course. So the sovereign God keeps our lives on a proper course. What's the proper course? Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the plan I have for you and I am sovereign from above our father in heaven. Are you with me? I, I'm going to keep your life on a proper course. The plan that I have for you, the plan hasn't changed no matter what the devil has done or no matter what you have done. I'm going to keep your life 
on the proper course from above. Are you with me so far? And so, see, you need to understand, there's a scripture called, uh, in Psalm chapter 68, verse 11, the King James Version, it says, the Lord speaks the word, and then he sends an army of angels to make sure that word comes to pass. Oh my goodness. So you need to understand that while you're walking, the angels of the Lord, there's a war in the heavens, but the angels are making sure that you stay on the course that God has for you. That's a bad word right there. Some of you should be dead right now, but the angels said, no, you got, they got a course for them. Some of you, my God have mercy. Some of you doors were closed and angels went before you and kicked the door open because there's a proper cause. Your grades didn't get you into that school. Your, 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 your experience didn't get you into that job. But God said, I had a kingdom assignment for you and I am going to sway, influence, and make sure that your life stays on the proper course, even if you make mistakes. Your mistakes! I'm not big enough to stop my plan. So stop bringing up your past. Stop bringing up your mistakes. And celebrate the fact that God can turn your mess into a masterpiece. And maybe the reason why he allowed you to make the mistakes is because you've been bragging too much about what kind of faith you have. So it's just to humble you. So that he only gets the credit. Amen. Oh, grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you. Thank you for divine influence that makes me act holy when I'm no, when I know, I know me. I know I used to curse. I know I would knock you out, but all of a sudden now the peace of God, the, 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 the self control of God, you look at yourself you're like, I can't believe I didn't knock you out. <laughs> Have you ever? Seeing grace work to such an extent that you stepped out of your body, you said, who is that person? If you haven't experienced it yet, you need more grace. The principle of God's sovereignty is this. God not only allows things to happen, but he decrees things to happen. And this word decree is the Latin word decretum, and it means to pronounce a decision. To pronounce a decision. Oh my God, to pronounce a decision. This word pronounce it comes from two Latin words pro and nuntere. Pro means to bring forth. And nunteri means, sorry, pro means forth, and nunteri means bring a word. So a, a decree is to bring forth a decisive word. To bring forth a decisive word. Are you with me? To bring forth a decisive word. This word, uh, a decree, uh, it, 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 is, it is, in English it means a judicial decision. A ju judicial decision or order. So in Psalm 75 verse 7, David says, 
or the writer says, it is God who judges. He brings down one and he exalts another. Psalm 44 verse 4 says, my God decrees victories for Jacob. In other words, God decrees victories for you. God has pronounced. Are you with me? He has pronounced through judicial decision that you will have victory. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You need, you need to understand that, that when a judge hits the gavel, that means he has made a decisive decision that cannot be broken. Are you following me? Are you following me? And, and, and so what you need to understand that over your life, the judge of the universe says victory. No matter what's going on in your life, victory. I was, oh God, Lord have mercy. I, I, I had the opportunity to go to the adoption of a of a child by one of our members. And I remember uh, being there in the court and the child's name was something else. Are you following me? And and the parents said, you know, we're going to change your name to, you know, Bob. Okay, so maybe his name was Rick, but we're going to change your name to Bob. And, and the judge, uh, I'm talking about the spirit of adoption. I'm talking about when the judge says it's the final rule. And I tell you, it was powerful as I'm sitting there. And, and all of a sudden the judge says, I now pronounce you Rob such and such. In other words, whatever name you had in the past is over because I have decreed by my word, which is law, that your past is no longer now and that now your future is as Rob. And so from now on, you will be called such and such. And I want to say to you that right now, in your past, you were declared a loser. But now God says, by decree of my law, you are a winner. And no matter where you are, I will get you. No matter how deep you're in sin, I I will get you because I have decreed by law that you will be my instrument. Oh, my God, have mercy. And that's why Paul understood this because he says, I was on my way to murdering Christians. I was on my way to, I was fighting God and God through decree said, you will be an apostle. I don't care what you're doing. And he arrested me on my way to doing wrong and turn my life around and now I am an apostle. Can you believe this guy? He's saying, can you believe this guy that I who murdered Jesus, who, who held, who, who held, uh, uh, our people's coats as they were stoning Stephen. I who was going around hunting, hunting, hunting Christians. I am now named among Peter. James, John, this makes no sense other than God decreed that no matter what I'm doing, he will go and snatch me out of the wrong way and put me on a street called straight. Turn to your name and say, neighbor, have you murdered any Christians? Answer the question. So if God can snatch Paul, he can snatch you.
Well, you don't understand. I had a child out of redlock. Doesn't matter. I'll snatch you and put you back on the street of straight. Because I have declared by judicial order, no matter what you've done, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, I'm going the other way. I'm going... I'm going the other way. God said, no, you're not. He snatched him. Snatched him. Threw him off of a ship. Called a whale to swallow him, a fish to swallow him up. And spit him back in the right direction. God has the ability to snatch you out of your foolishness, out of your... When you're out of your mind and put you back because there's a decree over your life. There's a decree over your life. Jonah's name means dove. The Holy Ghost will snatch you out of your mess, out of your wrong way of thinking. Parents, stop worrying about your kids. No matter where they are, if there's a decree over their lives, God will snatch them out of sin, snatch them out of their foolishness and put them on the street called straight because he says there, and, and see, there are going to be some haters. There are going to be some haters. Lord, I heard about the evil things that such and such done. And God said, hey, hey. by decree, I've chosen them. So shut your mouth. This is one that blows my mind. Rahab. 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 There are three things that a rabbi used to pray. God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. God, I thank you that I'm not a woman. And God, I thank you that I'm not a slave. And God says, watch this. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take one person who has three strikes and still use them because Rahab was a Gentile. Rahab was a a woman and Rahab as a prostitute, she was really a slave. And so what God says, I, I, I want you so badly that I am going to lead Joshua to, to, to develop a plan that has nothing to do with bringing down the wall of Jericho. What I'm going to do, I'm going to tell Jer- I'm going to tell, 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 I'm going to tell Joshua to send out two spies. He's going to send out two spies and they're going to bump into a woman named Rahab. And as they bump into Rahab and you know, you know the story, Rahab hides them and they said, Hey, you know, if you didn't know, mark your window, put the red, uh, red rope or red towel or red thread down out of wall and anybody in your household will be saved and now the the spies come back and God says okay scrap the plan I just want you to march around the wall 13 times wait a minute I I just sent out two of my best men yeah but if I told I said last week if I told you to send out two of your best men to to rescue a prostitute you would say I was crazy that's why I can't tell you my plan that's why I need to tell you that's why God says he's not looking for you to understand he's looking for you to obey and too often we're saying God God will you tell me tell me God said no because if I tell you 
you aren't going to understand it and you're going to mess up my plan. So just obey. They go in and of course uh, Rahab gets rescued, but look at God. God said, oh, I have bigger, I have bigger plans for this prostitute than just saving her. What you're going to do, you're going to marry a Jew and through your, and through your lineage is going to come the Messiah. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to list a prostitute around the, the ancestors of Jesus. And then what I'm going to do is, is, as we heard, you know, we, we know the football hall of faith and, and the baseball hall of faith. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take this prostitute and then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, I'm going to put her in the Hebrew hall of faith. And then what I'm going to do is have James, Jesus, half brothers brag about the fact that this harlot, this prostitute had the audacity to believe in the grace of God. That when God decrees a blessing over you, nobody can stop what God is going to do to you. The only one who can stop it, it, in fact, you can't even stop it. There's a decree over your life. There's a decree over your life. Let me end with this point. There's, there are, there's, there's two there's two elements that operate when it comes to the decree over your life. There is an arrest and then there is an Ananias. Everybody here will experience an arrest and everybody here will experience an Ananias. An arrest. An arrest is when God puts you in a place without your permission. Some of you, some of you would never have chosen Boston as your home. Lord Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But as Elder Roy said, when he graduated from Tufts University, and he says, oh, I'm graduating, I'm going. And his father says, so where are you planning on living, son? That means you ain't coming back home. Some of you, God, you were on your road to Damascus and God just arrested you. Just arrested you. I was on my way to some high and hopefully being you know, a star athlete there. And, and God, without my permission, just arrested me and put me in a Catholic school. And I was mad at my, I was mad. I was, in fact, I was so honorary that my mom basically said, you're going to stay there one year. And after the one year, you can do whatever you want to do. That's how just angry I was. What I didn't know is that the reason why God put me at Matinon is because he knew that three years later, the city manager of of Cambridge was going to be forced to hire two minority kids in high school to work at City Hall. And then, this is a bad God, then what God does is that, because we were going to move to Cambridge, but because of 
um, racism, the people found out that my parents were black and, and changed their mind about selling them the house, and that's how we ended up in Somerville. But what God does is that he takes a kid from the same neighborhood that would not allow us to move there, and that kid comes up to me, and he says, you know what, Brian, um, there's a job at, at, at City Hall, and they're just looking for two minorities. You just show up and you get the job. And I just showed up and got the job. But this is, this is deep, Brother Charles, this is deep. I found out 30 years later, I was talking to the city treasurer, uh, Louis Pasquale, and he said, did I ever tell you how you got hired? And I said, yeah, you know, I got hired because they're looking for two minorities. And he was like, no, no, what happened was that because they forced the city manager to hire two minorities, he said, if I'm going to hire two minorities, they must go to Mountain High School. <laughs> they, they didn't get that. They didn't get that. They didn't get that. Which means that if my mother did not force me, arrest me to get in that school... And so now, when, when so now when I hear the you know the, the the head of department saying you can't preach the gospel at your kingdom concerts, I can simply go to city hall and talk to a city manager who I met as a high school student and say, "Yo, man, what's up with this?" He said, "Oh, Brian, I'm sorry. You can do whatever you want to do." Oh my God! Do you have any idea what God is decreeing in your life? Some of you got snatched out of some crazy neighborhoods. You wonder, why am I still alive? He, he was a body snatcher. He arrested you. He got you off of the crazy street and put you on the right. But everybody needs an Ananias. Everybody needs an Ananias. Ananias in Greek, his name means the one who the Lord has given God will give people in your life that, 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 that will make sure that you get the full plan of God. God used that, that guy from the prejudiced neighborhood to make sure that Brian Green got the job at City Hall. Who are the Ananias in your life? Who are the people who God used to get you into the school that you got into so you ended up in Boston, so that you ended up in here at PT. Who, who, who's the Ananias? God is sovereign. And he's decreed blessings in your life. He's decreed some powerful things. Let's all stand. I'm going to let the Sunday school students and teachers Release. My mother <clears throat> had a verdict. I shared this many times with you. My mother, around November 1982, My mom <clears throat> gets a verdict from the devil. And the verdict was that you have breast cancer. 
two years prior to that, my father's mom died of breast cancer. And the devil said to my mother, you're next. When she gets the verdict, my dad is doing missions work in Liberia. And it wasn't like it is now where you can text and, and you know, it's, you got to call the operator and all sorts of stuff. She cannot reach my father. So the only one in the house is <clears throat> her 22-year-old son and her 19-year-old son. And she's obviously devastated by the news. And I remember praying to the Lord. And all of a sudden the Lord dropped a decree in my heart. And a scripture I had memorized, Psalm 118, verses 16 and 17. The scripture was the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiant things. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And I spoke to my mom, I said, the word of the Lord, the decree of the Lord is, you shall not die, but live. And you say, how did you know that? It was just, it was faith that came from his grace. It's like, it was like I got downloaded into my heart, faith to believe that my mother was not going to die. I can't even take credit for it. I don't even, at 22 years old, I don't even know where I got such bold faith other than it came. I, there was such grace that was poured into me that I became the man of the house. And I was like, devil, you are not taking my mother. And it's been 33 years. 33 years, going on 30. There are some things that we need to start decreeing over our lives. We need to start speaking by judicial order that this is what the Lord said. This is what the Lord said. I'm going to ask our sister Sandra if you would come and just share what the Lord put on your heart. Can we, can we move with the Holy Spirit this morning, folks? Amen. So the, as we were just praising the Lord this morning, I, just, I, I heard the Lord just speak into my spirit. Um, and because it was a good praise. Y'all, it was a good praise. Mm -hmm. And as we praised the Lord, it was because he's awesome, because he's mighty. And I just heard the, you know, because he's, because he's, the, he's mighty, he's the great I am. Um, 
But then I also heard the Lord say that the enemy knows what's happening in this house. Right? The enemy knows what's happened in the consecration. He knows what changes have taken place in our lives individually and corporately in this body. And so I just saw the, the enemy just kind of trying to weevil his way up around and grab hold of ankles, grab hold of our legs to keep us from moving forward. You know, um, it just even putting chains about uh, folks to keep them from moving forward, from getting to a, a place of progression. And the other thing I heard the Lord say, though, is that I have placed within you a chain-breaking praise. A chain-breaking praise. Because while the enemy is coming up to us, trying to keep us from moving further, trying to put chains and barriers on our lives, trying to put chains and barriers on those around us so that there cannot be progress, the Lord says, mm -mm, I know how this is going to happen, and I, I gave you the tool to deal with it. He's giving us chain-breaking praise because there's a but that's mm. going on, right? The enemy might be saying, but, you know, I see where you're going, and I'm going to stop you from going. I'm going to put chains about you. I'm going to keep you Oh, right where you are so that you can try and move, but you can't move. But, but, <laughs> with our praise, with the, with the words that come from our mouth, we have the ability to break chains. The words of our mouths are powerful. The words that we speak, the words that we say, even the words that we think are powerful. But more important, the words that we speak out. We said, Lord, I thank you because you are a mighty God. Lord, I thank you because you are powerful. Lord, I thank you because you are a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am great because you are great in me. The enemy cannot bind me. The enemy cannot come up and keep me still because there are places that he wants you to go. There are situations that he wants you to maneuver in. There are circumstances that he wants to tear down, even as, you know, tearing down from the city walls. Uh, there are things that he wants to affect in our lives. And I say that corporately and individually, that there is a chain-breaking spirit that needs to arise in this house. It needs to arise in your home. The same praise that we are going forth with this morning, that we went forth with this morning. He said, you know what, do that in your house. Walk about your rooms. Walk about your space. Let the enemy know that he cannot keep you bound. Let the enemy know that he cannot keep you still because there is a shame-breaking praise that needs to arise from your mouth.